Connors T, how are you? Welcome to the Candlelit Tales podcast. I'm Sarah Hegarty and I'm here with my brother. And I'm Aaron Hegarty and I'm here with my sister. And together we are the founders of Candlelit Tales. Nice radio voice, Aaron. Thank you. We're doing radio voice. Apparently we are a little bit today. (laughs) Yeah, we're DJs. But now we're going to stop that because we're going to tell stories. We tell old Irish stories set to music and then we have a chat about them afterwards. I'm quite looking forward to this one. Yeah. Because this is is a battley one. Aaron likes telling battley stories. This is generally our way of dividing them actually, you know. Aaron does the bish bash battles. Smashy smashy. Aaron does the smashy smashy. <laughs> he likes the smashy smashy. I do. I do. I love good smash smash. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, smash him up there now. It's how I like my spuds. Careful now. Smashed spuds, smashed heads. So listen, we are... <laughs> Candlelit tales. And no, I was just going to say something else. I already said that bit. We perform live shows in around the countryside and you can find out about them at candletales.ie. Ah, right. That was what we I was doing. That thing, which, uh, and we started with a donations-based policy by passing the hat around and we are now doing that virtually with Patreon. Where you can find us on patreon.com forward slash candletales and throw us whatever loose change you find down the back of your couch. It doesn't really work to throw change at a laptop though. So don't actually throw <laughs> any change at your laptop. Ah, one. But if you do like Irish stories and if you do like the way we tell Irish stories and chat about them afterwards, get in touch, drop us a line or help us with uh, some financial stuff. I mean, we like finances, but we also like chatting. So get in touch and also tell people if you like this. So, Aaron, the pressure is on. You must impress them all. Oh, Jesus. Take it away. Yeah. Tell me a story. Grand The Hostel of the Quicken Tree. The king of Lachlan had several sons. Meadoc was the youngest. The king of Lachlan decided one day that he would invade Ireland because he was sick of all of the Irish men defeating the Lachlanites in every single battle. He knew the Fianna were a great adversary, but he wanted to conquer Ireland for once and for all. So he amassed such a deadly, devastating army the like of which had never been seen before. When they set sail they darkened the horizon and when they came to Arden's shore, the King of Lachlan told all of his sons, including Medoc the youngest, that today would be a great day for the Lachlanites. But when they landed on Arden's shore the Fianna descended Out of the woods they came from every direction, up along the beach. They came out of the trees, the wilderness. They seemed to rise up like a swelling tide and crash against the invaders like a deadly storm. They were coming at them like no one had ever seen. The men of the Fina came attacking, howling, each one of them crying a deadly war cry. They were savages that came out of the branches and the slopes of the hills running down to beat the Lachlanites back. Eventually every one of them were killed, every one except the young Meadoc, who had seen his father killed and his brothers, all by the Fianna and the great Fionn McCool. Now Fionn walked up to this boy and he told him he would take him as a prisoner and raise him as a son of his. Now, 
Fionn McCool had taken many foster sons and raised them all very well and some of them had gone on to join the Fianna and he told this to Meadoc that he would be taught everything he would need to know to become a great man and he would be a prisoner in name only for he would treat him as his own foster son but this was an attempt to make sure that no other invasion came from Lachlan and the stories of the Fianna would spread so well the Lachlanites would never invade them again. Now, Meadoc grew up with an awful lot of the rest of the boys of the Fianna. Insna, Fiacu, even Falconon, who it was said when he was born would one day run rings around the king of the world, whatever that prophecy meant. But Meadoc, no matter how he trained with the rest of the boys, he learnt well and he always kept a cold stare in his eyes and never really seemed to fall into games with them very easily. People suspected he was not very loving or kind or playful. Fionn McCool tried to give him the greatest warmth that he could, that any father would. After all, he had raised so many of the Fianna, he thought himself a great foster father. When Meadoc came of age, Fionn McCool offered him the chance to join the great Fianna by attempting to pass the tests, and there were many to join. Or, Fionn McCool told him, he could ask for any land in Ireland to take, and he would be given this, to do with what he would. Immediately, Meadoc answered that he would take the Isle of Kinsey in the middle of the River Shannon. Now Conan Moyle whispered into Fionn McCool's ear that this was a very good place to host an invading party. You could sail up the great mouth of the River Shannon and hide a whole army on the Isle of Kinsey. But Fionn McCool waved him away saying, Conan you have no good words to say for anyone when you can get a bad word in instead. Still, he was troubled that Meadoc had not befriended anyone of the Fianna, and he kept his word. He left Meadoc go, and Meadoc left without a word of farewell. Now, many years later, Fionn McCool was out on a great boar hunt, and they were crossing the river Shannon. He'd gotten separated by his hunting party and now only had Conan Muel and Gull McMorna with him. Dermot O'Divna had ran up ahead with Faha Conan and a few of the others were close by but not with him at that moment. Suddenly, Meadoc, a man he barely recognised, the great sloping shoulders on him, the long blonde hair and a gaze that Fionn McCool revelled in. Meadoc gave him a warm welcome and an embrace that Fionn had never received from Meadoc before. Meadoc offered to host them in his hostel, the hostel of the Quickentree. He said he had a debt to repay for Fionn McCool, and the least he could do was throw him a feast. Fionn McCool accepted wholeheartedly, but still Conan Moyle groused and grumbled. This didn't seem right. Fionn McCool once again waved him away, thinking him suspicious. Now, the three men of the Fianna 
walked and followed Meeduk, chatting lightly until they came to a great tree, and the door of the tree left them into a huge, beautiful room, the like of which they had not seen. Beautiful garments were hung over the wall. There was inscriptions on all of the furniture which looked hugely comfortable. The fire rose and heat expanded all throughout it, giving a smell like boiling honey and rosemary. And then they saw the feast laid out on the table. And oh, Conan Muel threw himself down at it, began to gorge himself on the food while Fionn McCool sat down on a comfortable chair and Gull McMorna sat himself by the fire and then they heard the door click behind them. They realised Meda could not follow them in and then Conan Moyle began to spit out the food he was eating. He looked around and said that the food had vanished and what was left in his mouth was nothing but ash. Cone Gull McMorna said this fire was roaring a moment ago and it had great scents of perfume going about it and now it smells like shite altogether and the tapestries in the wall Phil McCool realised had also disappeared and what he was sitting on was no longer a lavish great comfortable couch but a great ditch that he was fastened into and he could not move Neither one of them could. They all looked at Finn McCool, who raised his right hand, the thumb of which he had burnt on the salmon of knowledge so many years ago, giving him all the wisdom of this world and the next, and so the obvious thing to do was to stick his thumb in his mouth and find out what, in the name of God, was going on. Now, when he put his thumb in his mouth, he realised with sorrow in his heart what Meadok had done. He had indeed betrayed Fionn McCool and hosted an army in Inishtool. But he had gathered a fierce force. A huge army was with him, with the king of the world and the three sons of Inishtool and the king of Greece as well. Worse than this, the three sons of Inishtool, Fionn realised, were magic men. They were sorcerers, wizards, druids of a different kind. They had gotten earth from Inishtool and mixed it with earth from Ireland with incantations and spells and fastened it into the hostel of the Quicken Tree. And so, this is why the men were stuck fast and only the blood from the severed heads of the three sons of Inishtool would free them from their bonding. Now Fionn McCool... Gull McMorna and Conan Whale were stuck. They realised Meadoc had gone back to feast with the king of the world, the king of Greece and the many, many men that they had in their garrisons. Now they did not know what to do. So they did the only thing they could do. They roared. They gave a belt and a shout like no one else had heard. They sounded the Dord Fian, this great battle call that announced anyone in Ireland who could hear it at the Fianna were calling for help. And it was the way that when one of them would hear this, they would recall it and the hills would reverberate all over Ireland announcing the Fianna were gathering to one place. But their cry was muffled because they were in a tree so it didn't really go very far. 
They knew they were in trouble, but shortly after crying out, they heard a knock on the tree, and Insna and Fiaku, two of Fiumakul's young foster sons, had arrived. These were skillful fighters, although they were young, and they called in and asked Fionmakul what to do. Fionn told them to run back and get the rest of the Fianna, but first to see what was happening if the armies had left just yet. So, Fiaku left Insna at the edge of the clearing. Now, he was standing by the ford, narrowed as it came into the edge of the hostel, the Quicken Tree, in a large space. Fiaku ran over the river, crossed the ford, leaving Insna behind. Insna stood in the narrow pass that you had to go through to get into the hostel of the Quicken Tree. It was heavily crowded around by trees on either side and a slope that ran down into the valley with the ford of the River Shannon out in front. Fiaku ran and he saw the number of boats that were positioned next to the Isle of Kinsey and he saw a great feasting hall then he ran back around the whole island and tried to count the number of men that had arrived there or at least a number of boats and three times fifty at least were there then to his dismay he realised the doors of the great garrison had opened and one party had left he saw their tracks in the mud leaving going down to the hostel of the quicken tree he surmised that one of the men had left it must have been a one fraction of the group to run away and claim the great bounty of Fionmacool's head before the rest of them could come now when Fiaku was running down he heard the cry and shout of steel on steel as he ran down to the ford he saw Insna standing in a pile of bodies all but one he was fighting the last one of them the king of Greece himself and as he was in close combat he was struck a death blow by the king of Greece and as he fell the king cut his head from his shoulders he caught it turned around and thinking that Fiaku was one of his own men tossed it to him with a gleeful cry now Fiaku caught the head of Insna his foster brother and with anger in his heart he raised his sword and drove it through the king of Greece severing his head from his body he brought the head of his foster brother back to his body joined it, carried him to his resting place and buried him there. This was the only way he could get into the other world after death, with his head back to his body. Now as soon as he'd done this, he saw another group of men, three times nine once again with the leader, the man with the coldness in his eyes, Meadok leading them down to the ford. Fiaku had hated him in their training days and he hated him even more now for what betrayal he had brought to Ireland and Fionn McCool. Now Meadoc ran towards Fiaku and he towards him and three times men ran around them then and a great battle ensued as Fiaku fought outnumbered although he was he killed three times nine men and then he saw Dermid Odivna with a red spear 
shining high in the sky, throwing it at Meadok. But before it hit him, Meadok hit Fierku a death blow. He cried out as he fell, and Meadok was soon to die. Meadok turned around and got the spear thrown by Dirmid Odivna straight through his left eye, and he fell down dead. Dirmid Odivna was with Faha Conan. They came up and saw the death of their two brothers and the bodies piled high of Meadok's men. Now Dermot Odivna didn't know what was going on and so he called around and he heard a muffled voice from the hostel of the Quicken Tree. When he went he was about to peer in until Fiumt he went close enough to hear the story of what was happening and he was eager to go and fight the whole army on his own, but Fionn McCool begged him to go and get the rest of the Fianna, but Conan Whale chirped up, and he told him that he was hungry, and he needed feeding. Tiermond O'Divna rolled his eyes, and he said, All right, I will get you some food after all. There's loads of ships now empty from men that had just been killed by Insna and Fiaku. But Conan Whale said, Erla, that's dead men's food. I'm not eating no dead men's food. Go and get me a good feast from the feasting hall. They're all eating with the king of the world. I want to be well fed before the battle, just like them. Tiermont Adivina rolled his eyes once again and he said, All right, fine. Now, he left Far Conan in the same place that Fiaku had left Insna, and Far Conan agreed that he would stay and protect the three men behind them in the hostel of the Quickentry. Dermot ran back down, disguised himself in the armour of one of the men that had fallen from the King of Greece and snuck inside the feasting hall. When he was there, he gathered a lot of food and even a sheepskin full of wine and ran back out once more. Now, when he got to the hostel of the Quickentry, he saw a small window and was able to throw food into Conan Wales' mouth he had a very good aim and most of the time got him in the mouth every now and again he hit his eye and Conan grumbled and growled till he poured some wine straight into his eye and then veered down so he could have a drink as well now once Conan was well fed Dearman asked Fionn what to do and how they were going to escape while Fionn McCool told him that only the blood of the sons of Inishtul could really break this enchantment. No sooner had he said this that he walked back down to the ford and he saw Falconan dozing away as he saw the army of the King of the World coming towards them. He kicked Falconan to wake him up. He stood up and shoulder to shoulder they stood in the narrow pass and waited and watched and called and beckoned for the men to come towards them then and they fought a great fight against a great number of men as the bodies piled high Far Conan and Dirbano Divna fought with such skill that they saw the three heads 
of the three sons of Inish Tule coming towards them then. Dermid ducked and swung around the great battle that was going around him till he planted himself right in front of the three sons. With great grace and spinning around them, he cut their heads from their shoulders, caught them in one arm and ran back through the battle, jumping over Falconan. He ran back down to the hostel of the Quicken Tree. He broke into the door, spread the blood of one over Fionn McCool, the blood of the second over Gold McMorna, and a bit more from the third because he was a big man. But then when he got to Conan Whale, he realised the blood had gone out of the third head, and there was none left. He released his legs from the ground, but his back was stuck fast to the chair that he was on. There was nothing for it. But Fionn McCool and Gold McMorna and Dermot Divna grabbed a limb each, with Fionn McCool grabbing his two legs. And they told Conwell to hold his breath. And they gave a great almighty pull with all their might. He pulled him and he gave an almighty cry. The skin was ripped off his back. But Fionn knew what to do. They went outside. He saw a black sheep. He killed it and sheared it. Skinned it as well. And then he took the skin of the black sheep and stuck it onto the back of Conan Well, because there was enough magic of the sticking sort that left the skin stick onto his back. So Conan Well had the skin of a black sheep for the rest of his life, and it would do him fine enough. Every spring or so, he needed a shearing, all right, but it was handy enough to have. Now, Fionn McCool, Dimra Divna. Gaul McMorna and Conan Whale all roared out the Dordfian. Together now they sounded the great, brilliant and mighty battle call that reverberated all over the woods that they were in. When they heard an answer from the top of one hill, they knew that that was enough. It would sound out from all over the Ireland from then on out, and sure enough, as they ran back down to Falconan, they began to fight in a frenzy now, and men from the Fianna began to join in the fight. Falconan could have stood back and left the others fight for him, but he had been battle-crazed now, and he began to run deeper and deeper into the middle of the army. There were three rings of men right around the king of the world and he went and knocked them all down he parried a blow and cut one down and the next and the next and the next until he was in the second circle and he was running so fast the men could not grab him as he leapt and cut and chopped and dug his way through that second ring he ran a third ring around the king of the world just as the prophecy had said just before he knocked that king stone dead. As the men of the Fianna kept coming in waves after wave after wave coming from out of nowhere and they beat the Lachlanites back and they kept on beating them until there was no one alive, none but one and Fionn McCool kept him alive and sent him on a boat to go back to Lachlan to spread the word of the Fianna, to tell the men the fierce brilliant fighters that were in the land of Arden. Go on, the Fianna. Go on, the lads. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is uh, probably not surprising 
in Ireland that these stories of great warriors that could repel foreigners and like completely wipe them out were so popular. Oh, yeah, it made perfect sense. It's a bit of a kind of a revenge fantasy for colonialism, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. It's just like, imagine, yeah, God, like this idea of invading forces being wiped out and decimated by the brilliant and brave Fianna and like this kind of really tragic idea that that was once upon a time uh, before Ireland was frigged for so long. Yeah. Like it's it's a yeah it's a it's a little escapist thing, isn't it? Hmm. Um, there's a little bit of poignancy to it, all right, definitely. That like I always think that's an interesting thing. Um, you know, that in in terms of national identity and nationalism and these kind of fantasies of violence that you can get into sometimes, because this is a like this is this is one of the more violent Fianna tales. It is, but. And always at this point of the podcast, we explore the themes and what it means to us and how we have a bit of a chat about, how, you know, what it is. And I usually just ask my sister questions. But essentially, this has a very interesting kind of failing for Fionn McCool. This idea of he was a great leader, a great warrior, a great father figure, a foster father to all of them. And yeah. essentially failed in this upright upbringing of Meadoc. Well, it's an interesting one to me because, I mean, when we were talking, when we did the, that kind of double episode on the heroes of the Fianna, one of the stories we looked at was the story of Meglugud. Mm-hmm. And this kid who, like, he gets one talking to and he straightens up and he flies right and he's the best thing ever after that. And, like... Fathering 101. Yeah, yeah. She just needs one talk. Parenting. Um, like that there's this sense of Fionn as this wonderful mentor because all he has to do is tell you straight out one time but like that kind of talking to only works if the person who's being talked to has complete respect and reverence for the person doing the talking and it falls apart for a character like Meadoc who has no respect to the man who butchered and killed all of his family yeah I mean to him this is this guy's a killer. And I think that's a really interesting kind of, you know, looking at the, the way that the violence is seeded in this story and then kind of comes to fruition and is repeated. And it's also interesting what the Fianna do. You know, if you parallel the two battles on either end of this, in the first one, they end up with a hostage and they keep Meadoc and they raise him as one of their own. But he's not one of their own. He's an orphaned child and they're the people who orphaned him. Yep. And like... And he's imprisoned, essentially, as well as brought up and all the rest. I mean, from his perspective, I mean, like, I don't I don't think he acts in a particularly treacherous manner because for somebody in that position, you're either going to betray your family of origin or you're going to betray your, your foster family. And, and he chose his family of origin. And you can cer- certainly take look at the the influence possibly this story had or the, or the reflection this has of the very popular TV show Game of Thrones and, and the first yeah, season yeah, that you, you pointed that, out. that character Theon Greyjoy who's in a similar position to me look, he's fostered by a family who beat his family in a war and like that was that was a tradition uh, that was a tradition in I think in medieval Europe in general and it certainly was a tradition tradition in Ireland this taking of hostages and fosterlings which were not 
exactly the same thing, but we're not not kind of the same thing. Like there's a little bit of I'm mm. not quite sure where the line is drawn there between a fosterling and a hostage. You mm. know, because sometimes certainly fostering was was encouraging alliances and friendships among different clans and different tribes. But also it was very much about encouraging everybody to, to behave. Yeah, well, it, it was that, all right, we're going to take him now. He's ours. You've lost him. But he'll be well treated and brought up and he'll learn all the things of us so that you won't do this again. Mm. But he'll kind of, you know, bridge. He'll be the the, the bridge between these, these two families, these two empires, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like supposed to be a peaceful tactic. It is, and like... It's also, it's it's a tactic. It was very interesting. We were doing a workshop with um, the people from Bard Mythologies uh, in the Civic Theatre last year. And there was a, a couple of women there from, I think they were from Zimbabwe, and I could be wrong on that, who we were talking about tribal law in the context of Irish Brehan law, hmm. which we've talked about a little bit on this podcast and we'll talk about again when we're looking at Cormac McGart. Um, and one of the kind of customs in that culture and I'm very sorry that I can't remember which country they were from now because it sounds like I'm treating all of Africa the same but one of the things there was that if somebody from one tribe murdered somebody from another tribe they had to give a child to the tribe to, to raise wow and that was that was the way of rebalancing yeah yeah life for life like, yeah kind of but also a way of restoring peace like in the context of sort of restorative rather than uh, punitive justice mm-hmm it's it's a way of trying to make sure that the conflict doesn't escalate because if you if you kill the person who's done the murder then there's a grudge on both sides yeah and then you get another killing and retribution and then you get another and you get another and like you see that happening in you know gang warfare you see that happening you see that escalating and spiraling out of control you see that happening here in Dublin where you get rival gangs and somebody'll get shot and then it will be retaliation after retaliation after retaliation after retaliation and it just increases whereas this is a culture that is kind of intended or this is a custom that's intended to kind of mitigate that and manage that well it didn't feckin' work did it it for sure didn't it absolutely fucking didn't work it didn't work at all and it's really interesting like I think he has it kind of betrays a little bit of an overconfidence in the guy right Um, you know and and, however I also think there's a nice list like there's often a question of like uh, especially when we tell Fionn McCool stories at kids shows Hmm. as to why he isn't using his thumb all the time oh yeah that's that's a good one yeah because I think especially because we're we're a generation that have all got a little salmon of knowledge in our pockets. Oh. You know, like we can we can find the answer to any question any time now. Wisdom of the world in our thumb, yeah. Well, tip. the information. Yeah. The yeah. wisdom is, is, is a different thing. True, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because the wisdom is about knowing what question to ask. But like, he do, Fionn McCool doesn't preemptively put his thumb in his mouth. No. And I think that's really interesting because I think that's... a shite story if he did. Well, not only would would it be a shite story, but it also says something about the kind of person Fionn McCool is. Mm -hmm. Because if you put your thumb in your mouth to find out what's going to happen next or what is is this situation or what is this person's intentions, you're never going to have any surprises. Life will be a pale thing. 
Yeah, you're going to know it all and it's yeah. going to be crap. It, like, it, it doesn't give you any room for surprise. And it also, I think, for Fionn, shows his confidence in his ability to handle a situation. Like, he's not afraid to dive in at the deep end because he's fucking Fionn McCool. And whatever happens, he and the Fianna will be able to deal with it. Be grand. Be grand. Be grand. And Just like there's... the door Fian there and the lads yeah. come running down and it'll be great crack anyway. And... Well, I, I, I guess as well, just to mention, like the number of names in his story is quite big because there's, there's, he's in the hostel of the Quicken Tree with uh, Conan Whale and Gold McMorna and then Dermot and Falco and come down. Yes. Load of names for people if you haven't heard of these characters before or seen our live shows. Go back and listen to our previous episodes on the Fianna. Um, they were the, what were they again? Um, they were episodes sixteen and seventeen. We had we had two episodes on the heroes of the Fianna, kind of for this reason, because actually this is one of the things that we started doing out of our out of our live shows, where I think we started doing it specifically for the Fianna. Actually, um, yeah. Do was, you know what? I'm going to pause that and repeat it because you took a sip of tea and Oshin <coughs> will kill us. So sorry, sorry. This is something that we started doing and it kind of came out of the live shows where we realised that like it was probably it was easier for people if we set the characters in the first half and then told them the story with all of these characters in it in the second half. Because if you think back to when people would have listened to these stories, you know, in the before times, um, I just have such a hard time. We're like, you know, long ago, whenever. Uh when the, when this oral tradition was before very alive before TV like before the telly yeah um, they would have known who all these guys were and so as soon as you say Conan Whale everybody knows who you're talking about yeah and as soon as you say Dermot O'Divna everybody knows what you're talking about nowadays we have to kind of have the at least the explanation of he's the pretty fucker he's the handsome yeah. guy he's the Killian Murphy he's the whatever you oh know, my he's, god he's so caver oh yeah no, he's the Killian Murphy <laughs> like he's beautiful he's a beautiful man yes um, yes there are lots of beautiful men yeah, yeah. Um, come on Killian you legend from Cork come on Cork <laughs> sorry just, I, I like to get that in there whenever I can um, no particular reason uh, what were we saying beautiful men beautiful men beautiful, beautiful men, men. Um, yeah, that's it. Okay, well, tune in next time. <laughs> <laughs> when we talk about more beautiful men. Yeah, we're just going to talk about rights. Hopefully um, from Cork. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> beautiful men from Cork. Aaron's favourite topic. <laughs> Not so, true. What were we talking about? We were talking about the Hostel of the Quicken Trees and we were talking about the need to contextualise these characters so that people have a little bit more of a background to them because otherwise it can be quite a lot to try and keep track of all of these yes. names. Um, and also because they're just such great personalities. Because you, you, like, you can listen to this story and not know them and enjoy the, the ups and downs and the narrative is great anyway. It, it fits together as a big old mad story. And you get it. It's fine. It's not that complicated. It's just people's characters. But there's a level of understanding when you go. It's kind of like, you know, watching the first series of a, of a TV show that you can kind of watch the second series. But if you get to know everybody a little bit better and the Fianna have that in spades because there's so many little different stories. How Dear mm-hmm. got his love spot, you know, the interaction he has with Gold McMorn a number of times. Oh, they have this I love his interaction with Conan Whale in this yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Like where the repeated line is. If I was a beautiful woman, you'd take care of me. Yeah. Like, how much of a crush does Conan Whale have on Dermot? On a scale of huge to infinite, like. 
I mean, he could also just really dislike the guy for being a pretty fecker that gets away with murder. Like, you know, he doesn't actually have to fancy him, sort of guy. Yeah, yeah. So, like, on a scale of a little bit to infinity. <laughs> I would say somewhere between a lot and infinity. But right. Not, not, not. Anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is, that is the, that is like, the first time I read that story, I was like, oh, my God. Um, and and that is my that is my explanation for his behaviour, and I will not be swayed. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't think I'm going to bother arguing that one against you. I mean, why would you bother arguing? You're already decided. What's wrong with that? All it's, right, it's, it, that's my interpretation. So answer me, riddle me this. No, hang on a second, because so Madoc does this strange little. You know, he decides. All right, the Fina are not my tribe. I want to, you know, honour my people. I want to go back to bring conquering. Well, Ireland and all this. I want to get revenge on these yeah. bastards. So, in in this attempt to avenge everybody he ever saw when he was a kid, yeah. he invites the king of the world. Like, oh, who's yeah. he? I have no idea. What's that about? Like, that's just like I feel like that's just a way of saying the most important can't fuck with him king ever <laughs> gets brought to Ireland. And I like I love that there's there's all of these armies, there's all of these kings, the king of the world. What are the other kings in this one? No. The king of Greece, and also mentioned are uh, the sons of Inishtool. Yes, that's right. And then of course you've got the king of Lachlan, who was Maedoc's father, yeah. as the kind of instigating invader. So yeah, you've just got these like. All of the, I, I feel like this is a story where you would sort of go, well, where's far away and impressive? Yeah. I know. Lachlan, Greece. Hmm. The world. And like you said, when Fionn McCool in, initially, you know, goes off and gets invited to the hostel of the Quicken Tree by me, it's kind of like, yeah, of course, he'll trust him. He'll go along yeah. with he, he sees no wrong in people. He doesn't want to assume a negative outcome. Mm-hmm. He just goes with it. Everyone is always going, oh, I don't trust that guy. He looks at, he has a shady look in his eyes. Um, don't trust but him. But Fionn also has the confidence of the scariest thing in the room. Yeah, you that's know what a I mean? very handy thing. Like yeah. that's a that's a that's a quote that I like from the Discworld series by the late great Terry Pratchett. He has a character called Granny Weatherwax who is fully aware that there are dangerous creatures in the woods at night. And she walks through the woods fully aware that she's one of them. Hmm. And all of the rest of them will run away from her. Yeah. Like, you know, this is Fionn McCool. It, this is his. This is part of his kind of swagger. It's part of his appeal. He can just walk in there and go, yeah, you might be about to betray me. And he gets in a very sticky situation here. Like, excuse the pun. Don't excuse the pun. That was on purpose. Oh, that was really. my pun. Just <laughs> to the chair, really. You, you gotta. He's he got yeah. he got into serious and like it's not the only time he gets into serious trouble. No. He gets in serious trouble in the Sleeve Gullion as well, which is a whole other story. Uh, jumping into a lake for a lady, like he <laughs> he very old that one. He can he gets into serious situations quite a lot of the time, and actually, even the story we told uh, the last time at the hospitality of Coolness House, oh, yeah. he gets himself damn near poisoned to death. <laughs> because but again, he get out of it. He has this openness, and he has this lack of fear about the world. That I think is very, like, that's why he's a hero, isn't it? And that's why he's he's kind of told, stories are told about him. He doesn't 
preemptively check is this situation okay he just goes into it in in it with a sense of exploration Blase. well and also that's why you know the VNR the they they roam around they have such great adventures like it's a yeah. v- adventure is when things kind of go wrong and kind of go right again totally you know and that's why he doesn't look at uh, you know use the the salmon of knowledge wisdom or the wisdom of the salmon of knowledge that's on his thumb straight away because you know as a device for storytelling you know it's the same as uh, I think we were chatting about this earlier the um Fergus McRoy in the Sons of Ishna, the well, story the, where the, the more generally the the gesh the, gesh, the idea yeah. of the gesh you can see that as being a convenient plot device yeah or you can see it as being, this is the influence of the other world, impinging on people and restraining them and directing them. And Fionn McCool's thumb can function as a convenient plot device, but I always think it's important to look at why. Why is that? You know, in the same way that I'd say a Gesh is not just a convenient plot device, it's also, uh, you know, reflective of, of the other world's powers. The thumb and the the way that he uses and doesn't use his thumb is both plot device and more. Yeah, yeah. And for me, the more is that he has this open attitude. Mm. So this podcast. Hang on. What do we have more? Let me just pause. So. Well, I think we'll leave it there. Yeah, wrap it up time. So, hope well, you enjoyed that story. It's slightly indeed. longer story, as we Listen, said. Listen, some of them are long and some of them are short. And if any of you have any opinions about which ones you prefer, mm-hmm. you know where to find us. Info at candlelittales.ie Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Candlelit Tales. Uh, I think it's Candlelit underscore Tales on some of them. And if you want to talk about the podcast, you can use the hashtag Candlelit Tales podcast, hashtag Keeper Candlelit. And uh, if you want to be really sound, you can find us on Patreon as well. And you Patreon can Patreon.com forward slash candlelit tales. I have to say the whole thing every single time because Patreon search function doesn't show us. Hmm. So you need to type in the exact thing, which is Patreon.com forward slash candlelit tales. Candlelit tales. That is it. It is a big name. That is our name. That's but it's our name on everything, so you should be able to find it. Uh, this podcast was produced and edited by Oshin Ryan. The story was by kind of the two of us yeah. and Candlelit Tales in general, really. Generally. We've been doing this for a few years, actually. This story, yeah. we've passed it around. and we've, this, we've, is, this has been thoroughly passed around. Thoroughly and, passed around. And, uh, yeah. Everyone's had a go at the quick, quick and tree at this stage. Kind Everyone of, has had a go at the quick and trees. In the live story. So I was quite privileged to... Uh, put that together and in a recorded version hope you enjoyed it yeah, yeah. that's definitely been the work of the storytellers united within Candle Tales the work of many hands we'll say yeah. so uh, it was th- that story was by Candle Tales the music for this podcast was by Oshin Ryan mm-hmm. and uh, yeah that is us um, keep an eye on candletales.ie for upcoming shows not entirely sure when this podcast is coming out in terms of linear time because uh, we record them a bit in advance but if August isn't over yet... I like to not mention that so people can think we're really on the ball and send it Listen. Oh, God, no. <laughs> you know, I have a difficult time with, with time. time. Okay? Yeah. This is an established thing. Timey, whiny, I will whiny, say, whiny. if August is not done yet... <laughs> for f- just check out. Uh, Just check us like, out. Because we definitely have a lot of, like, we're going outside of Dublin in August is the main thing. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, anyway, Facebook, Insta feed, Twitter, all that stuff, Instagram, yeah. um, you know, all, all the things. All the things. We're up there. We're doing Twitter, stuff. Um, we're we're a storytelling company and we love telling stories and we hope you love hearing the stories. Thanks for listening and keep going. And yeah. I know Aaron has to press it off so he can yell at me. <laughs> <laughs>